So my prayer and hope here this morning is that God might speak to you through what I'm sharing. And, and I'm trusting here because, you know, usually God will put something on my heart and it's like, okay, this is it. We're going to do this. And, and it seems to all fit together. But, but I had an idea of what I was supposed to share here this morning, and that's in here. But then, then I paused and, and something else kind of came into my heart, and that's in here. And then I started to get together everything to put it all down on paper so that I can come and kind of share with you. And God said this, and that's in here. Um, so it may be an early afternoon kind of message. but um, So with God's help, I'm hoping that either point one, point two, or point three, or maybe four or five, whatever God's speaking to you, that you would hear it. And if it's all five points, that's okay, because those five points were meant for me. You know, whatever the points are here, generally when I'm up here and get, Rich asks me to share something, it's something that God's got in my face and he's trying to help me with. So maybe he's trying to help you here too. Um, Rich had said something to me about going to lunch with some guy and the guy was talking about, well, how long do you teach? And, and Rich told him and he said, oh, he says there's like a lot to that 10 to 12 minute thing, you know? And... Uh, when I first started doing this, I thought maybe I'd be like a little less than 10 to 12 minutes because here's the first thing that, that God kind of, well, actually it wasn't the first thing, it was one of the other things. But um, <laughs> one of the points that God was trying to tell me was he created us and we're all different. How's that? What do you think? Amen. Amen? We can all walk out of here with that and just kind of say, all right, I heard you, brother. Let's go. <laughs> Early lunch. Um, so what's up with that? We're all different. Ever say to yourself, you know, just if we were all the same, man, life would be so much easier, you know? But God created us so different that we can look at the same thing, we can talk about the same thing, we can read the same thing, we can, you know, kind of get into the same thing, and we come up with all these different thoughts and all these different ideas and all these different realizations from what we're reading and hearing and seeing. So, you know, he created us, he teaches us, but yet we're all different. For instance, you know, we're still on cement here. If we asked everybody, you know, like, can we pick out a carpet? You know, we'd be like, we'd be having a lot of different ideas for a carpet, I can tell you. But we're letting the pastor pick that one. So I don't know about you, but like on November 20th, 1954, God had a mold, and it was a good mold. Thanks, Denise. You know? So, you know, if everybody just came out of the mold, it would be like, whoa, you know, we could see things in the same light. We wouldn't have all these kind of wonderings what's going on and all that stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe you guys have molds that you thought were pretty good, too. But we need to be different. We need to be open to seeing things in different ways because that's how God teaches us and stretches us. My brain, maybe our brains, could never absorb all the things that God would have for us if it was just me. You know, and if it was just my point of view and what I was seeing, and if I looked at a scripture and saw it, but then I can share it with someone else, and God says to them, this is what I'm saying, and he's like, whoa. You know, all of a sudden, like, I never saw that there. So we're all different. We all hear things differently. We see things differently. We learn differently. But we're here. We're family. We're tied together. We're sharing, and we're learning together. But maybe... 
even those Christian brothers and sisters who feel, we feel so removed from because they see things so differently than us, maybe God's, God's trying to stretch us through them. So, so people, sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, I can't like, relate to that person. But God might be using that person in your life, so don't like, pull away because God says to love that person. There's one truth, though, that we all need to see the same. Right? I think we all know what that one is. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he was born. He died on a cross at Calvary. He rose from the dead. And he offered eternal salvation for anyone who would believe and accept that truth. Now, to us who believe, we call this, this thing, this realization, rebirth. We are born again Christians. We believe that when we accept this truth, that Jesus lived, that he was the Son of God, and that he died and he rose from the dead, when we believe this, we're saved, we're born again. We believe this together. We become part of God's family here together, here at Calvary Chapel, Green Meadow, Hard to get to say that sometimes because I keep saying Calvary Chapel Warwick. But we are, we're bound together by the blood of Christ. Romans 10, 9 to 10 tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. Amen. That's the truth. That's the gospel. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and you are saved. We're all saved the same, you know? We have this one thing in common, the blood of Christ. But here's the, tr- the truth. Even after we're all saved, we're still all different. You know, we don't get saved by the cross. We don't get saved by the blood of Christ. And then we all become these like clone people walking around. Like some people would say, oh, they're Christians. You know, they're all the same. It doesn't happen. We're all still different. Saved by the Lord. He created us. Different looks, different personalities, different gifts, different talents. And so on and so on and so on. But then he says in his word, just as each of, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Each one of us belongs to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace God's given us. And who gives the grace? Who gives these gifts and talents and personalities? God. So who am I to think that God appoints something to someone and I say, oof, you know, that's like crazy. You know, it's God's grace that appoints these things. God's grace that makes us who we are. As believers, we're all saved by that same blood shed for us, shed for our sins, but we're all different according to the grace appointed by him who saved us. So what's the problem? You know, we're all, we're all saved by grace. We're all different. God tells us, get along. But we get so flustered, we get so frustrated, we get so stubborn. Anybody stubborn? <laughs> oh, man, I raised my hand on that one. You know, it's, that's what gets us in trouble. It's the flesh, it's us. It's living in the flesh. It's because we look at who we are here on this earth instead of who we are in God's sight, and, and we get stubborn, and we lose sight of the things that, that bind us together. I need to stop thinking about me. I need to stop thinking about Bob and what Bob thinks is best and what Bob thinks should be done, but rather what God is trying to do in a situation and what God's up to in all of this stuff. It's about him. It's not about Bob. What about Bob? Oh, that's a movie, right? <coughs> what is it you're trying to do here, Lord? We become focused on us. In Ephesians, Paul writes this. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord... I want to stop there for a second. Did you ever stop and look at that closely? He doesn't say as a prisoner of the Lord. Paul says there as a prisoner 
for the Lord. Is there a difference of the Lord for the Lord? You're for God. You're, you're in prison or you're, you're a captive because you want to be a captive, not because he's holding you captive. He says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord because I want to be here, because I want to do the work of God, because I want to be directed and, and, and follow that path that God has for me, not because he's forcing me to, but because I want to if he holds me captive. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you are all called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. You know? He says, you're a prisoner for God. You know, we, we, God saved us. He went up on the cross. He was nailed to a cross, and he died. And he touched your heart, and he touched my heart. And he wants us to be prisoners for him. And what's he want us to do? He wants us to make every effort to keep the, the, the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Prisoners for the Lord, making every effort to keep that unity. So that was one point. So now on to another. Can you turn with me? to um, the book of Colossians. <laughs> Thanks, John. You say, hurry up. Paul's writing to the church at Colossae here while he's in prison. And one of his purposes in writing was to encourage them and to get them focused on what the power of God was, to remind them of the simple truths of their faith and of the gospel. Be reminded of how simple it is to keep on track. Um, they, need, they needed those reminders. I need those reminders all the time about how simple this faith is if we keep ourselves focused. You know, I started reading the book of Colossians about three or four weeks ago, and for some reason I just can't stop reading it. It's four chapters. I mean, you can read it in however many minutes, depending on how fast or slow you read, you can read the whole book. It's been almost four weeks, and I can't put it down. And I don't know why, but there's so, so, so much in there. And sometimes we go, and we read through this stuff, and, and, you know, and a lot goes into our hearts and into our heads. But for some reason, I mean, I've, I've never had this happen. I've had times where I've read a book over. You know, it's like God puts a book in your head, and you read it. And you say, well, you know what? I need to read that again, and I'll read it again. I can't put this down. It's like he's not allowing me to get it down. I know as I'm getting older, I mean, maybe even when I was younger, my brain was never all that spongy. So, you know, stuff doesn't fit in there. But Peter says in one of his letters, in the second letter, and Peter's an inspiration to, to me, as most of you know. He says, so I'll always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. It's good to remember. It's good to be reminded. It's good to go over things, not to just pass them by. And, and that's not to say that at any point in time that you read a book that you have to go back and reread it, but it's okay to go back and reread and reread and reread because the Word's always going to bring something new to you. All right, Colossians 1, starting in verse 3, it says there, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all the saints. Now, this is Paul writing to the Colossians here, but remember, this is the Word of God written to you 
and to me, written to us. And Paul writes, I'm writing this because of your faith in Jesus Christ, because of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints, all the saints, everyone different. Isn't that what we're supposed to be all about here, loving and caring for all the saints? And hopefully that's what we're doing, you know? I mean, we're a small fellowship, a community fellowship now that we have a community reaching out to the people around us and hopefully just loving and caring for them, that God would bring them through the doors and that we could just teach the word and love these people and have them enter in and be part of the body here at Calvary Chapel. And Paul goes on there and he says, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. We've heard the gospel. I think each person in here has probably heard the gospel. I gave you a short version of it already this morning. The word of truth. Are we growing? That's what he says here. He's hoping that we're growing. Do we know what it is to grow? I don't know. I mean, that's something for we all need to kind of come to an understanding of. Are we bearing fruit? You know, what are we doing? These are questions we need to answer personally. How am I growing? What am I doing? How am I bearing fruit? How are things moving along in my Christian walk? And Paul writes, he says, you learned it from Epaphras. So who was it you learned it from? Who shared the gospel message to you? You know, was it just by picking up a Bible one day because God was kind of prompting you and you read it? Or was it a friend or was it a total stranger? Uh, somewhere you heard the gospel and someone shared it with you. So sometimes it's good to remember who shared this thing with us, you know, that opened our hearts up to Christ. And, and maybe we've forgotten who did it and, or haven't spent enough time thanking God for that person because that person was used by God to bring us to salvation, to eternal life. Who is it? that shared the gospel message with you. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear servant, who is, faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of, of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want to say something here. By no means are we in any leadership in this church, perfect. Or maybe even sometimes we're not any, we're even close to perfect. But this should be the prayer of a heart of the leadership of any church, that God would fill you, the people here who come through these doors, with the knowledge of his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritualism and understanding that he would reveal himself to you and that you, you've got a responsibility here, would be willing to have him reveal himself to you. You know, that's what we need to be doing here as leaders in this church and any church, praying for us, praying for you that, that God would allow, would allow you to have a heart open enough to have him reveal himself to you and that you would take it in and learn from that. Are we perfect? Not really. You know what? Pray for us. You know, we're human just like you. Anybody who's in a leadership position in this church, we're no different than anyone else. We need prayer. 
So pray for us that we would pray for you because we don't want to lose that, that, that um, passion in our hearts that, that God would put there that he brings a, a flock together, he brings people together, and, and our responsibility is to pray for each other. Pray for us that we would pray for you, that we would serve you to direct you to the cross and direct you to the word of God and all that it provides for you, for God's wisdom, for his knowledge, and for his understanding. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your church leaders. And Paul continues in this vein in Colossians 2, 2 to 3. He says, my purpose is that, and here he's talking to people, so he says they, but I'm going to substitute you. My purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures. I mean, these things are real treasures, you know. This earth shows us what they think of treasures, but the real treasures of God are amazing things. And if we take them in, the, the, the gifts and the blessings that we get back from doing the will of God are like far more gratifying than anything that you can buy. You know, we try to buy gratification in this world. And believe me, I've tried. It doesn't work. Real gratification comes from doing the will of God, from understanding what he has for you, what that growth is, what that fruit is, how are you going to interact with another person, following and gaining that wisdom and knowledge that God has for us. He has so much for each of us. Let's not be willing to settle for only part of what he has. You know, want it all. He's given us one to another, each different, each special in his sight, each with a regenerated heart and a mind that deep down is driven by the need to know more and more about his plan for our lives. That's what drives us. If we really get honest with ourselves, we think we're driven by all this stuff. If we grab hold of what God has for us, you can be driven, and it's just amazing. Can we do that? Can we make that promise here today to pray for each other? Yes. Thank you. So here we are. I'm at the point where I wanted to share something that God had put on my heart, the first thing that he really put there. And then he put these other things there. And i got to tell you, when Pastor Rich asked me to share this morning, um, I, I think I said, like, no. You know, I just I had too much going on. It was just, it's just been crazy. I mean, with the economy the way it is, my business is, like, struggling, so we're trying to figure out what to do with that, and just some little personal things, nothing big, but just a lot of stuff that takes up a lot of your time, and he's saying, you know, hey, I'm going away, man. You think you can teach? I says, I don't know, man, but here I am. Um, I'm thinking now that maybe it's one small taste of that spiritual wisdom that, that God wanted to share, that God has in store for us that he wants me to share here this morning. So what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? What do you think? Will he go? What do you think? Will you go? Would you go? If you had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off and you had 99, and would you wander off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. What do you think? I think I'm lost in my notes. <laughs> um, I think that the reason God was asking me to share this, you see, was he was bringing me back, back to understand 
the heart of the shepherd. Maybe that's what he wants to bring you back as, to as well. Um, does anybody here off the top of their heads know Psalm 5110? It's kind of a hard question, but anybody? I'll share it with you. Creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain it. You know, have you ever gotten to a place in your faith where you just felt empty, where you wonder where is God, you know, who I'm serving, what happened to the joy I had at my salvation? Sometimes without even knowing it or sensing it, life can get in the way, the world can get in the way, even ministry can get in the way. For me, I'm finding that sometimes I'm trying to do too many things, juggle too many balls, just maybe wear too many hats. And maybe it's not the number of hats I'm wearing, but it's that I'm forgetting which one should be the first hat, the primary hat, the big hat, you know, the one that God wants me to wear, the one that he wants to see. My intentions are good. I want to serve God. I want to do things for his sheep. But I get going on my own. Or I get going in what you know God gives me to do, and then I get going on my own, doing things in my own strength. Now, somewhere in the Bible, I didn't look it up. <laughs> Sorry, it says, "Hey, you started in the spirit. Why are you now striving in the flesh?" That's a paraphrase. You know, but it's true. You know, I'm giving you these things. I've put these people on your heart, and now you're like, you're taking it all on, and you're trying to make it like way bigger, doing way too much than I've asked you to do. I've asked you to do this, and I'm trusting with you, and this is God's stuff for you to do, which is cool, that God would want me to do something for him, and I'm trying to make it bigger. You know, do we do that? You know, whether in life or ministry or whatever else it is. Truth is this, he, be, he who began a good work in me will be faithful to bring it to completion. Amen. His work, not mine. So I think God's trying to bring me back to the simplicity of the shepherd's heart. And that was the message he had for me here this morning. Stop worrying. Stop trying to do so much and let the shepherd's heart sustain you. I can have tasks and responsibility, but underneath it all, I need to be directed by the shepherd's heart, be energized by the heart of the shepherd. God was bringing me back to the example he gave me to use Remember, Bob, remember this living example I gave to you to show you what it really meant to be a shepherd, a real-life example of a man who would leave the 99 and go after the one. A real-life example of one who would do anything and go everywhere, let go of anything and go anywhere to take care of that sheep. Now, there's no way I can even come close to speaking like him or his mannerisms, but for those of you who can remember... Remember with me and try to hear his voice. Try to picture it. A shepherd up here teaching his flock when out of the middle of nowhere he stops his lesson and he says, hey, did I tell you about the guy who was driving home with his son? Did I tell you? Huh? He said, Danny, your mom's going to kill me. Danny said, why, Dad? And he said, well, you know, she sent me out to buy some snow tires and you know what? I took too long and they melted before I could get home. Corny, huh? Can you hear him? Can you see his wide grin up here? You know, we were sitting at dinner table the other night, and Mom brought out the salad with the dressing on it, and my dad said, Willie, don't get out of the bowl. Don't eat out of the bowl. And I said, Dad, what do you want me to do? Take my shoes off and get in? 
Can you hear him? Can you see him? Some people don't remember. He'd go on and he'd finish his lesson in a lesson that would always touch your heart. And at some point, whether in his sermon or when he had you alone in a short conversation, you'd hear, read the book, pray, or you'd hear, keep on keeping on. My real life, my in the flesh, example of a good shepherd. I don't know how many of you here never met Bill Kinnaman. How many people never met him? Man, you missed, you missed a mega blessing. That's what he would always say. Is he signed things off. Mega blessings, Bill. It's hard to believe, but it's been three years. Three years just passed that Bill was taken home to be with the Lord. And you want to know something? It brought me back the first week that we came into this building. Everybody shared a little bit. Now, Jim Hines, you all guys know Jim. To me, Jim is an example of a rock. You know, Jim doesn't shake, he doesn't falter. He's strong, he's in the Word, he knows the Word of God back and forth. But that day, Jim, the picture of strength, was talking about Bill. And if you go back and you can get it online and you listen to people speaking, his voice cracked. This is the good shepherd that could move mountains, he could just touch people and get real down deep into their lives and into their hearts. He could move anybody. He was a shepherd, a good shepherd in the true sense of the world. People were touched by him. He was genuine. He had a heart that followed after God. No matter where or when or how it moved, he was following after God. For those of us who were lucky enough to know Bill and spend time with Bill, I can't begin to tell you how much we miss him. More importantly, how much we learn from him and we were encouraged by him. We were lucky enough to spend time with a man who was a great example of one who lives for and was a prisoner for the Lord. Not of the Lord. He was a prisoner for the Lord. So as I spent time thinking about this parable, it was clear that God was bringing me back to understanding Bill Kinnaman's life and how he was surely a shepherd who would leave the 99 to search for the, and recover the one. So what I want to know is this. What do you think? What do you think makes this shepherd be who he is? What is it that made the shepherd in the scriptures be who he was? Who was it that made Bill Kinnaman be the man he was, the shepherd that he was? Isn't really that the question for all of us? We read the story, we think about it, we dive in, or do we dare to dive in? Do we dare to take a close look? What is it about this shepherd that makes him tick? What is it that makes him leave the 99 and go for the one? I don't know about you, I know for me that sometimes I don't want to dive in because I'm afraid of what I'm going to see when I dive in. What is it that makes this guy leave the 91? If we dive in, we really have to start making decisions about our lives, the way we live, about who we really are as a disciple. Is that what I am? Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is that what you are? Are you disciples of Jesus Christ? We did a study not too long ago in the book of Peter, and we looked at what it was to be a disciple, and then Nelson's Bible Dictionary gives the following description. It's a student, a learner, or a pupil. In the Bible, the word is used most often to refer to a follower of Jesus. The word is rarely used in the Old Testament. Isaiah used the term disciples to refer to those who are taught or instructed. So are you and I disciples? Are we students of Jesus Christ? That's what we're called to be. We are followers of Jesus. Hopefully, we're his students we're learning more and more each day. And the problem becomes, do we really want to be taught? 
taught. Ooh, I put an R in there. Wow. <laughs> do we want to be taught? Are we willing to take a close look and learn and dive in? Or do we go to class, take it all in with this head knowledge? We get so much head knowledge, we don't let it sink into where it belongs in the heart. Because if you want the heart of a shepherd, it's got to go in your heart, not just in your head. How many times have I read this simple parable? How many times have I looked and said, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I want that. But then stop right there. I took it in. Looking, seeing, taking it in on a head level, but never really taking the time to take a close look. Why does this guy leave the 99 and search for the one? Now, I believe it's not really how much we know, but rather it's how deep we know what we know. So let me say that again. I believe it's not really how much we know, but rather it's how deep we know what we know. Do we dare take a look with our heart with the regenerated lifeline that God created within each of us to accept Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and what it has for me as he teaches me? Are we taking time to learn? Not a quick glance just to simply see, but to learn. Time. For me, I think this is probably one of my biggest faults in my Christian walk. I talk talk the talk? Do I take the time? Do I invest the time in understanding what he's got for me? And then taking it and putting it into practice. I think that's what made Bill the man of God he was. He took time. You could see it in his life. You could see it in, in just his character. You could hear it in his conversations and his teachings when he just kind of sought people out. And he would minister to them. It was ingrained into his spirit. He took time to understand the heart of the shepherd. And as a good student, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he took what he learned and he put it into practice. So what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills to go to look for the one that wandered off? 1 Peter 4.8 tells us this. Love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Do you think that this guy loved that sheep deeply? This is why finding the one was better than the 99. He loved that sheep. The shepherd could and he would overlook the shortcomings of the sheep. He'd even overlook the fact that this sheep was making him work. I mean, that was work to go down that hill and look for him. He went because he loved that sheep. He'd sacrifice anything to get him back. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's a coincidence that when asked what the greatest command is, Jesus answers to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind? God first, this is the greatest command, and the second like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that say? Have you ever tried to love someone deeply from the flesh? when they've sinned against you. We try to forgive, we try to forget, but in the end, the flesh just pours out. It's only God's love and our willingness to let it flow through us that we can, can forgive and forget. It's his love that covers a multitude of sins. Ours will never, ever, ever do it. We remember. God says forget. This good shepherd, he left the 99 and went for the one. Does it say he panics? Whoa, what do I do? That sheep went down the hill. That, heap, that hill is steep. How do I get down there? What am I going to do with the others? He simply goes in faith, and he gets the one. This was surely one of Bill's strengths to those who he ministered to. You never saw him waver 
What am I going to do? When I was getting ready for this, this lesson, I spoke with his son, Danny, and the one thing he pointed out was this. He said, this was the most amazing thing of my dad. If I could say anything about my father, it would be this. He was always steady. Nothing seemed to stress him or to place him where he would say, what am I going to do? He simply trusted God and stayed the course. He was always steady. Now, what about that sheep? What about that one lamb? Here's the shepherd who really knows the circumstances, or who really knows the circumstances. Maybe it's a nice day. Maybe it's a miserable day. You know, every day comes with its own set of circumstances. Whatever they were, the shepherd was going to leave the 91.9 and go for the one. And what about the lamb? What do we know about it in that story? Does God tell us anything? Does the scripture tell us anything about that one sheep? You know, maybe this lamb was a pain-in-the-neck lamb, you know? Maybe he was a good little lamb that was special. It didn't matter what he was all about. There were a hundred sheep there, and they were all different. And that shepherd was going to go for the one. He loved that sheep deeply from the heart. You know, when I opened up this morning, well, never mind, I already said this. I was going to say that the sheep were different. There's a hundred sheep. We opened up talking about everybody being different. And God loves each one of us different. And he's going to come and get each one of us. He's not going to leave you just because you're different. First thing the shepherd did was he put his own needs aside and he put them second. Or maybe a hundred and first. Right? And then he went to find that sheep. First Corinthians 13 tells us love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Why do you suppose patience is first? Hmm? I don't know. I have a hard time with being patient. No, I don't, John? Okay. When we love someone with the love of the Lord, we can't expect, well, we can't expect anything. You fill in the blank. You know, God tells you to love somebody. Don't expect anything back. Just love because God wants you to love that person. He wants you to go after that sheep because that sheep's important to God. Doesn't matter what. Love that sheep. We've got to give time. We've got to give patience to those we're trying to love, to those we're trying to bring back, to those who've gone down that hill and made us do some work. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So think about it. Is there someone in your life that's either walked or run or fallen down the hill? Someone you love, someone you may not love. Have they walked away? Have they turned their back? Have they sinned against you? Have they hurt you? What is it that God would have you do? In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, uh, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, is God asking you to go for the one and you really don't want to go after that one because it's really not one you like? God went to that cross, and he got nailed to a cross for me. He got nailed to a cross for you, you know? I'm sure he didn't, like, say, hey, you know what? I like that guy, Bob, and I'm going to go get nailed to a cross today. You know, but he did it. 
because that's what he was supposed to do. That's what he wants us to do. Don't put your, put your stuff aside and go after the one. Don't worry about the other stuff. This is what God calls us to be. And it's by living in the Spirit. He, you know, do you ever notice the Scriptures are strong? It's, it says, fix our eyes. Where? Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, pay attention. Stay focused. Keep watching, learning, so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. It's when we fix our eyes on stuff that we grow weary. It's stuff instead of Jesus. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Every effort. You know, we try to do a lot sometimes, but God goes on and he makes that very clear. Make every effort, leaving the 99 and making every effort to bring the one back. As long as I have breath in my lungs, as long as it, it's an opportunity to make an effort to live in peace, to find that sheep, to love the one who sinned against me, try, 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 try. Make every effort. What would this book be if it would tell us that God will try for a while and then he'll get to the point and he'll say, you know what? Man, I tried. I'm like tired. I've tried. I've shaken him. I've beat him up. I've given him stuff. I'm done. It's not what he says. He keeps on trying. Don't give up. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Scripture warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord is giving me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I'm leaving the 99 and I'm going down the hill to look for that lost sheep I love. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how long it's going to take me. I don't know what I'm going to endure, but I'm going to keep on going. That's what God wants for us. Now, all that sounds good, but it's not easy, right? You know, ever hear the Christian lingo, be in the world but not of the world? It's scriptural, you know? Back in Colossians, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, I don't know about you, but this is surely where my walk tends to crumble. Set my mind on things above. I'm living in this world. I'm bombarded with stuff at work, in my house, in the church, everywhere. God says, focus up. Focus up. You know, this stuff, it's tiring down here. But if, if you let yourself stay focused down here, you're just going to get crushed. Focus up. Focus on the things above. And I think that this is where Bill Kinnaman got his strength. He focused on the Lord. You know, he was a prisoner for the Lord. This is where our hearts and minds and souls need to be. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Brother, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently or watch yourself or you may be tempted. Rich just gave us that last week, I think. You know, you got to be careful. you got to be focused above. you got to be in the word. Now, I'm not trying to lift Bill Kinnaman up higher than he ought to be lifted up because he was just a man like anyone else. But he was a man who followed after God. He was clearly evident that he made a choice to live a life that would center his thoughts and decisions on things above. I'm sure he wasn't perfect in doing it every moment of his life, but to those of us who knew him, he was surely an example of a man who would make every effort to try, every effort to set his mind on things above. And you know what? It didn't come quickly or easily, even for Bill Kinnaman. 
I don't know how many of you know this, but it wasn't until his dad died that he really made that decision to, to give it his all. You know, his father was a street preacher, and, and they took him aside, and he saw all of that, and he understood that God had more for him. And he took that seriously. God's got more for each one of us. I don't know how serious your walk is here this morning, but God's got stuff for you, you know? Don't be afraid to hold on to his hand and let him take you where he wants to take you. Don't try to keep walking in this stuff because it's going to get you nowhere. Go where God wants you to go. Go down the hill after the one, wherever it is. Don't be afraid to go if you're going with God. It's getting a little late here, so... Um, you know, you can read on in, in um, Colossians chapter 3, 5 to 17. It kind of tells you more about what it is to follow after God, to be th- fixed on things above rather than on earthly things. Um, it's letting go of the stuff here, the immorality, the impurity, the lust and desires of our, of our bodies, you know, and to fix our eyes, get rid of the slander and the rage and the anger and the stuff and, and, and understand what he has heavenward and to fix and put love on over all of these things. God says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Help me, help me, help me, God. Remember the heart of the shepherd. All right, I've asked um, John and Heidi and Adam and Holly if they could uh, come up here and do a special song this morning. And while I'm getting up here, I just wanted to share one last little tidbit. And I could call it a tidbit because it was there, you know. Um, th- and maybe this is why I keep going over and over and over in Colossians. Um, you know, I talked about we're all different at the beginning, and I talked about unity and sticking and staying on the same page and making every effort to keep the unity as long as it depends on you. This was, this was Paul writing to, to, the, to the people. It was God's voice, God's word. Paul telling us we're all different, but stay together. And it brought me to think about Paul and Barnabas. All right, here's this guy saying, yo, stick together. You know, make every effort to keep the unity and the peace. You know the story. These guys were tight. They traveled all over the place. They were different, but they were united by the call to go out and preach the gospel. So one day, they get ready to go on a new trip, and Barnabas says to Paul, hey, I think my cousin Mark should come along with us on this one, and Paul says, whoa, you know what? This cousin of yours is the most unreliable guy. You know, we went somewhere, Pamphylia, is that that how you say it, Pamphylia? It's there, Pamphylia. And, And he says, you know, he blew it. So what happens? Paul's supposed to keep the unity here. This guy, Paul, who writes to us about unity and being a prisoner for the Lord, this one who writes, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, he says, you know what? No way, Jose. We're going different ways. And they leave. And sometimes you, you forget that there's more to that story. The important thing here is, is that it's good to get in the Word and to study the Word and to kind of look at references of where it's taking you because sometimes the answers are in other parts of the Bible. Now, the truth is, is that Paul and Barnabas did part ways, but in Colossians 4, Paul is telling the believers to remember a bunch of people toward the ends of the letter And right there in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, and remember, Paul's writing in prison here. He says, My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, kill him. Does he say kill him? Oh. 
He says, if he comes to you, welcome him. This is a great guy. I want you to take him in. But this is the guy who sent them apart. But you see, Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Mark, they were different, and they had differences of opinions, but even those differences weren't so big. In the end, they were unified. They made an effort. They made that effort to get together. They were reconciled. They were prisoners for the Lord. They were out doing God's work. Read the book, pray, and keep on keeping on.